Hello, and welcome to Papago Butte's Church of the Brethren podcast, recorded live weekly at our campus in Scottsdale, Arizona, during our normal service. And I'm happy to uh, be uh, preaching with you this morning, be with you this morning. Uh, We are continuing our look at the Ten Commandments, and we're on commandment number nine uh, this morning. Um, Yeah, the translation was from God's Word translation. I'm trying to pick out different translations. We're doing some King James, as well as some kind of more modern translations, and that's kind of one I just, I kind of like the way that sounded. Um, But uh, getting our sermon started, um, in case you weren't aware of this, I'm just fascinated by pop culture. I'm fascinated by, like, celebrities, uh, famous people, uh, things like that. Is is my uh, thing on? I'm not sure. Let's try that. There we go. Um, these are some celebrities that I was kind of reading about this week. Um, I'm very, I'm very fascinated when someone famous like does a crime, and especially when they think that they will get away with it, especially when it's like incredibly obvious. Um, and so, for instance, in the corner there, uh, Wesley Snipes, famous actor, he's been around for a while, did a ton of great movies in the '90s, and then he didn't do movies for a few years because he actually ended up going to jail because of tax evasion. Very famous actor, made tens of millions of dollars, and then uh, was convinced that he didn't need, didn't need to pay taxes on, on those tens of millions of dollars. When you're in that level, the government kind of takes notice when you don't report things, and so they went after him, and he actually went to jail. But uh, it's okay, he has made a recovery, he's actually come out of jail, he's paid for his crimes, and he's back to making movies again. Uh, but that's just kind of an interesting story to me. Um, another one that's interesting to me is um, uh, perjury of, of folks that have been caught for lying under oath. Um, these three folks are uh, relatively famous people that actually are examples of um, famous perjury cases. Uh, the first one there is Mark Furman, who was the de- uh, t- uh, detective on the O.J. Simpson trial. He was actually found guilty of um, lying under oath uh, by his use of certain racial slurs that came back. And then they were like, no, you actually did use these things, which impacted the case. And it went to trial, and he was convicted of perjury. Uh, Bernie Madoff, um, he was uh, convicted of a pretty massive Ponzi scheme. He ended up passing away earlier this year. Uh, But uh, on top of the Ponzi scheme, he had a whole other list of charges, including perjury. And so they really went after him um, for for all of that. Third uh, person up here is the rapper Lil' Kim. Lil' Kim, I'm sure we got lots of Lil' Kim fans here this morning. Uh, But she uh, was convicted actually of perjury in 2005, uh, for lying about her knowledge of a shooting that she happened to witness. And so it came to light that she actually did not tell the truth under oath, and she went to jail uh, for, for a year for this crime. But again, she has paid for her dues, and she has, she's doing okay. She's, she was on Dancing with the Stars a few years back and has made some more music. So if you're worried about Lil' Kim, she is doing okay for herself. Uh, but yeah, we're going to continue to uh, look at the Ten Commandments series this morning. We're going to look about uh, this concept of lying, perjury, uh, not telling the truth. And so we'll pray, and then we will get started. So please pray with me. Uh, Dear Lord, we are thankful uh, for your word. We are thankful for the truth of your commandments when they were first given to Moses and the people. Uh, We're thankful for the truth of those commandments throughout the the ages, and we're thankful for uh, them even through today. Uh, Lord, I pray that this morning I'd indeed be able to preach and proclaim your truth. If I say anything that's not of you, let that be forgotten. Uh, But we pray you'd be brought uh, glory and honor, and that we would learn to better be your disciples uh, because of that. Amen. 
All right, so the ninth commandment, um, at its most narrow understanding, is uh, that of being against uh, perjury. Uh, next slide, please. Um, so it's, it's a law given against lying under oath. And perjury is one of those crimes you kind of hear about, but it's, it's, it's kind of distant for most of us. It's kind of like a weird thing that you don't really think about it a whole lot. Um, and in the modern day, there's a lot of steps you need to take in order to commit perjury. Um, you have to be under oath um, while in court, and most of us are probably not in the habit of being under oath uh, for most of the time on a routine basis. Uh, so not only that, you have to actually lie while under oath, I would hope that if you're under oath, you're going to be telling the truth. As your pastor, please do that. Um, but then if you were to lie while under oath, um, it would need to be discovered afterwards, and then a new set of proceedings would need to be determined, like uh, what, kind of your, what kind of punishment you would be facing. And so perjury is, is, is kind of like, a, again, there's a lot of steps to take to get there. Um, in the United States, perjury is actually considered a felony, and you can go for, uh, to jail for upwards of five years for this crime, um, but often it's a slap on their wrist and, and, and you know, some sort of monetary payment. But as we discovered with some of the celebrities on the first screen, some of them actually did go to jail for a bit of time. Uh, next slide, please. Uh, that being said, um, there are kind of common examples of perjury that like, we are, are facing. Um, for instance, when you sign off on your taxes, you are stating that they are accurate to the best of your knowledge under penalty of perjury. So that is something that every year we kind of sign something saying, hey, I'm not going to commit perjury by this act. And so that would be a more tangible version of perjury that we could uh, potentially run the risk of running into. And thinking about that, maybe I should preach this sermon again come, you know, the middle of April. Maybe that's something that we need to hear, you know. Uh, but, you know, you need people to tell the truth in court because when you are trying to pursue justice, when you are trying to make laws uh, and have a properly functioning society, you need people to be telling the truth. Um, as modern-day people, we rely on that. The ancient world relied on that as well. Israel was a theocracy in that God was king, uh, but God also set up a system of rules and judges and courts and laws and a process uh, to keep peace and order. Uh, next slide, please. Um, so like how we have courts and lawyers and judges and laws and all those kind of things for promoting justice in the world, uh, Israel had this as well. And so the basic premise with this commandment, the fundamental and very narrow understanding of it is, you know, you are to tell the truth when you are involved in a trial. You are to tell the truth when you are speaking on behalf of your neighbor in legal proceedings. So when you are testifying on behalf of, of someone else, your neighbor, and remember, your neighbor is anyone. Um, you are, when you're testifying about someone, tell the truth. Uh, don't say anything uh, false about that scenario. Tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Uh, the court system will fail without this. Justice cannot happen in the world if people are lying about things under oath. A judge or a jury cannot make an accurate assessment of the reported facts if those who are doing their reporting are lying. Um, the ancient world understood this concept as, as, well as, as, as well as the modern day people. Uh, like I said earlier, you know, perjury for us, it's a crime that's punishable for, for upwards of uh, five years. Uh, next slide, please. Uh, but in the ancient world, if we compare what they were up against, man, they really took this seriously. Um, so you could uh, actually uh, have disfigurement uh, through the cutting of your nose or ears if you were convicted of perjury. You could face 40 lashes with the rod, a month of slavery. You could be fined. Uh, you could also lose uh, your ox, which is the ancient version of the tractor. So you could almost have like your small business taken from you if you were convicted of perjury in the ancient world. So ancient world was not messing around with this. They took this very seriously. 
uh, you know, we take it seriously as well in our day and time. And so again, this is one of those things that like kind of transcends time and space and culture. Like all peoples everywhere all the time have recognized uh, the importance of this. Regardless of your background, what year you live, your religious beliefs, like we all have kind of collectively understood as, a, as, a, as just humanity, like, hey man, like this is not a good thing. Like we cannot be committing perjury, otherwise things will fall apart. Um, you know, so that's perjury. But obviously, like, it's not solely about perjury. It's deeper and more broad than that. Because if this was solely about perjury, again, it'd be a short sermon. Like, hey, if you're ever, you know, in a court and, like, testifying, tell the truth. That's the sermon. Go, go you know, go in peace. You know, obviously, we're going to explore that a little bit more. You know, the judge would say the same thing to you as well. You know, don't be, don't be lying up here. Uh, but this commandment, you know, points to a further truth. Again, in this series, we're looking at a broad sweep of like what these commandments are about. So we want to understand this as fully as we possibly can. Narrowly, it's about perjury. Very narrowly, it's about lying under oath. Uh, but more broadly, it's about lying. It's about lying in general. Uh, next slide, please. So not only, not only are you not to lie while under oath, really, you're just not to lie at all. Just as you live your life, you're not to be in the habit of lying. And so not only is like justice fragmented when people lie in court, uh, justice is fragmented when people are just lying in general. You know, like, uh, life doesn't function well when we're in the habit of telling lies. When lies are present, things just don't function well. And this should, as I'm talking about this, this should hopefully not be a shocking statement for you. Like, we're in a church this morning, but if I was just giving a lecture in like a, like a library or something, it'd be like, yeah, like we all agree with that. Um, you know, in many of our other sermons in this series, we, we've talked about how Israel did not have a good track record in, regard, in, in regards to the idea of lying. And this is very much true of this one as well. In, in the Bible, both before and after uh, the giving of the Ten Commandments, we see numerous people who are lying and getting into all sorts of trouble because of that. Uh, next slide, please. Uh, in Genesis chapter 3, uh, we read about the fall of humanity with Adam and Eve, and that was tied up in a lie. Adam and Eve, uh, they're allowed to do whatever they want, and they're allowed to eat from any tree that they, wanted, that they, they so desire. Uh, they can do anything they want except eat from that one tree, uh, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And the serpent comes along, and the serpent is described as being very crafty, more crafty than all the other animals. And the serpent approaches Eve and says, did God really say you must not eat from any tree of the garden? And so this crafty servant is making this narrative that puts Eve on the defense, that turns the commandments of God into a negative, and Eve has to kind of like explain like what God actually said, and Eve has to correct him and says, no, 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 God says we can eat from any tree ex except that one, that that one we're not supposed to eat of it or, or touch of it or we'll die. And again, this is very crafty on the serpent's part. He gets Eve to go on the defensive and then makes her point out the one exception to the rule. And the serpent gets even more crafty, even more devious by saying to her, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Again, this is crafty. This is tricky. This is devious because most of what he tells her is the truth. This is not an outright 100% lie, but mostly the truth. Uh, he says that she will not die when she eats the apple, and this is mostly true because she ate the apple and then did not instantly keel over. She did not instantly physically die the moment she touched the apple. However, it, it's not true in the sense that uh, uh, physical death did come about later 
as a result of that, uh, to say nothing of the spiritual death that may have occurred in that moment. And he also says that she will be like God, knowing good and evil. Again, mostly true because God does know the difference between good and evil. Um, and with eating of the apple, she knows what that's like as well. However, it's not true in that God has no like experiential knowledge of, of this. God knows right and wrong, but has never carried out an act which is wrong. And so the, the serpent is very crafty in his lying. He's actually described as being a liar and the father of lies in John chapter 8. And again, we see more characters in the Bible who lie along the way. Uh, next slide, please. In fact, actually, at the trial of Jesus, both Matthew and Mark record how false witnesses were brought forward to testify against Jesus, but their statements uh, did not agree. And so lying, but specifically perjury, was, like a, was a factor which led to the events of Christ's crucifixion. So even this commandment we see uh, through, the, through the story of the death of Christ. And so lying is recorded all throughout the Bible. Uh, not only do folks lie, but so does the rest of humanity. Uh, lying seems to go part and parcel with, with, with us as humans. We tell lie all the times. If I, if I said, like, hey, show of hands, who's never told a lie? Like, all of our hands better be down, because if you put your hand up, you'd be lying. So ironically in that. Uh, next slide, please. I mentioned earlier kind of like love of like just celebrities and famousness. It's just interesting to me. There's an incredibly famous uh, trial that's going on right now, um, Theranos. Uh, that trial is happening right now, and I'm just regularly reading articles about it. And if you're unfamiliar with Theranos, it was this company uh, that made the claim that they were revolutionizing uh, testing blood for diseases, whereas previously you had to give a bunch of blood, had to send it off for labs, would take days or weeks to get your results back. And they said, hey, we've developed this amazing machine. We just need like a little drop of blood and we'll get you your test results back instantly. Literally was going to revolutionize like the medical world. It would be up there with like the invention of like the car or the airplane. This was going to like radically changed the world and people got very excited. Walgreens invested like tens of millions of dollars along with all, all kinds of private investors and all kinds of people. I had a friend I was talking to this about. He, um, he was like, yeah, I was really close to investing in them and, and, um, and uh, actually applying to work for them. And if you know how the trial is going, I said to him like, I'm so glad that you did not give them any of your money because all of it was built on a lie. I mean, they even had testing sites and like labs here in the Phoenix Scottsdale area. At their height, they were worth about $10 billion. And it was all based on a lie. It all came crashing down literally overnight. They went from billions of dollars uh, in equity to nothing when the whistleblower report started coming out, when the investigative journalist report started to come out. And so I think I'm fascinated by Theranos because this is just like, what happens when a lie gets power and goes unchecked? And then it all, thankfully, <laughs> came crashing down for them because what they had did not work. And so for me, like, like looking at this, like this is just like a lie that goes unchecked. And it's just fascinating. And so like all the commandments we've looked at, again, lots of ways we could go with this, like lots of directions we could take. We could you know, kind of unpack this from different angles. Uh, we could easily preach about not lying over a few weeks. Um, so when it comes to the discussion of lying, pretty much every source you look at, anytime it comes up, one example that comes up is um, like, you know, is it actually, you know, we shouldn't lie, but, you know, is it ever okay to lie? You know, pretty much any commentator, any book about, about morality or ethics will bring this up. Like, is it ever okay to lie? Uh, next slide, please. And I think, I think this is a good and legitimate question. You know, is it morally ever okay to lie? 
I always like to start with silly examples. You know, there are silly examples. Is, you know, is it wrong to lie about your a surprise birthday party? You know, you're invited to your, your friend's party on a Saturday. They call you up and say, like, hey, what are you doing on Saturday? You want to hang out? You know, what, what do you do in that situation? Uh, do you kind of lie? Do you cover your tracks? Or, you know, with keeping of this commandment, do you tell the truth? You know, like that's a, again, a silly example. We can have fun with that one. Um, uh, but there's a more serious ones as well. Uh, next slide, please. Um, there's, you know, obviously there's silly ones. The big one is like, is it ever okay to lie in order to save someone's life? That's the kind of the classic one that people bring up to in relation of lying. It's one thing to lie about a birthday party, but like telling a life, or telling or save a life, ooh, that's when it gets pretty heavy, pretty serious. And what's interesting about this one is that there's actually a few places in Scripture, there's a few places in the Bible where someone lies in order to save a life, and that it doesn't seem like they're reproached for this. It actually seems that they're actually praised uh, for this action. Uh, next slide, please. Uh, the two big ones that come to mind are the Hebrew midwives in Exodus, and Rahab, uh, the prostitute, in the book of Joshua. In both of these examples, uh, the, the characters are telling lies, and they're actually like later praised for this. And so in Exodus chapter 1, uh, the, we read about how the Egyptians are beginning to fear uh, the Israelites because they're becoming so populated, the Israelites are going to overtake the Egyptians. And so the Pharaoh has this command to the Hebrew midwives, like, hey, anytime you're delivering a baby and it's a boy, you need to you know, get, get rid of the child. However, the midwives, they fear God and they don't do this. And when they are summoned by the Pharaoh to explain their actions and like, hey, why aren't you taking care of the baby boys? They lie to the king's face. They say the Hebrew women are vigorous and they give birth before they are able to get there. Outright lie. They're just, they're, no, they're just, they're, they're helping to deliver the babies and they're not throwing them in the river like they're told to. And in the next verse, it says, God was kind to the midwives and the people increased and became even more numerous. And so the people, we see that the, the people are blessed through a lie, which is interesting. And then we get to the story of Rahab. She's a prostitute living in the city of Jericho. Some of the Israelites come to scope out the city, and the men of the city find out about this, and when they go to Rahab's house to ask her where, uh, where they are, she lies, and she says, like, oh, they've already left. They're already on their way. They went that away, and that's a blatant lie because they didn't go that away. They're right over here, and she ends up being commended twice in the New Testament. In the book of Hebrews and the book of James, she's portrayed as righteous for her action of lying, even though we'd all agree lying is wrong. Lying is a sin. Lying goes against the ninth commandment. Um, again, so these are biblical examples. Again, um, you know, maybe we're a little separated from those, but not too long ago, uh, there was the example, you know, in, in, in you know, Nazi Germany during the Holocaust. What do you do when you're hiding, you know, Jewish people in your house? And then the SS soldier comes to your door and knocks and says, like, hey, do you have any Jews hiding here? You know, what do you do? Lying is wrong, but to save a life, is it morally permissible? Or should you always tell the truth no matter what. Again, we can, have, we can like flesh that out, talk about that from different angles, things like that, but you know, keeping, it, keeping it simple here. I think with the examples of Rahab and the Egyptian midwives, seems like there's good precedent set for erring on the side of saving lives. You know, we could talk about theoretical situations we might find ourselves in and you know, whether it's okay to lie or in that position. Uh, that, you know, that this commandment is, is pretty straightforward. Don't bear false witness against your neighbor. Don't lie. You know, maybe there's some extenuating circumstances here and there, and, you know, we can certainly talk about that, but overall, don't lie. 
And none of us want to admit to be in the routine of telling lies, outright lies, but I think like all of the commandments we've looked at this far, like this is one we very much break on a, on a routine break basis. I think we very much subtly break this on a, on a routine basis. Next slide, please. And I think for us, like it, kind of the everyday kind of like, what does this look like every day, is not so much in the blatant lying, the outright lying, as in the more, as in the softer, subtle lie, in, in the flattery and the slightly bending of the truth. Most of us are not in the habit of outright just telling things that are categorically untrue. Like if I were to say to you, I had a real crazy morning this morning. I went to Dunkin' Donuts and I ran into George Clooney and like we, ex- we had a, pl- a good conversation and we exchanged numbers and we're gonna hang out after the service. Like if I were to say that to you, like that is not true. In case you're getting really excited, that is not true. I did not go to Dunkin' Donuts for breakfast. I have not been to Dunkin' Donuts in months, although now I wanna go to Dunkin' Donuts and get some donuts. Also, sadly, I have never met George Clooney and if I did, we probably would not exchange numbers and hang out, even though I would love for that to be true. But again, that's like an outright, like, just complete lie. Like, and most of us are not in the habit of doing that so much as, like, the subtle lie, the, 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 the small lie. The, the lying that we are inclined to do is much more like the serpent's lie in Genesis 3, where we'll say something that is mostly true, but there's that small component that simply isn't. We, we bend things. We twist things. We'll speak 99% the truth, but we'll add or tweak what we're saying just, just a tad bit often to benefit ourselves. Like often this is like a thing that we do to help ourselves out. You know, silly examples, we, we, we like in telling stories from our past, we, we tell these stories and they tend to get a little bit exaggerated. That fish we caught gets bigger and bigger and bigger. That, uh, that, that bully that we were fighting in, in the schoolyard just gets meaner and tougher and we have more broken bones as the story progresses relatively trivial things, but we have our daily interactions with people as well and and how we relate those stories or how we interact with others. You get chewed out by your boss and you tell your friends, oh man, they're just treating me terribly at work, but you're neglecting like why you had that conversation in the first place, that you keep coming in late, taking extended breaks and doing all kinds of other stuff that's bad at the job, and yet you kind of neglect that info and you just like to complain about your boss. You, you get aggravated with the person that just cuts you off in traffic. Like, how could they do that? But they cut you off because you ran a red light and you didn't give them a choice. And that's kind of a thing that you just didn't tell in the story. You know, it's easy for us to focus on or neglect the details that make us look better, make others look bad. It's easy for us to knowingly distort the truth in just that little bit in order to get ahead and just to win favor to make ourselves look better. And so I think there's all kinds of subtle lies, small things we do to make ourselves feel good, make ourselves look better, make others look worse. Um, Next slide, please. And we we do this all the time because it's so easy. It's so easy. Our, Our tongues, this tiny part of our bodies can get us into all sorts of trouble because of this talking about uh, my tattoos and how this relates. Um, James 3 points to this. Uh, he has the, um, the tongue is a small part of the body, but makes great boasts. You know, consider what a, a great forest is set on fire uh, by a small spark. Um, it's it's uh, the world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of life on fire, and is itself, is itself set on fire by hell. Wow, I didn't quote the right Bible verse up there. There's a thing about the, the, the um, uh, tongue is like a, the rudder of a ship. A uh, small thing controls a very uh, big thing. And so in this moment, I just wanted to lie to you and said that verse connects. It does not. I put the wrong thing up there. Wow, even in my sermons, I'm tempted to lie to you. The irony of that is astounding to me. 
And so, uh, you know, at the end of the day, Jesus says not to lie because lying is the antithesis of who God is. Jesus was the embodiment of God. Jesus was truth, capital T truth, with hands and feet who lived and walked among us. And so we are to mimic Christ in all things, including being agents of truth in our lives. And so when we are people of the truth, I think we point to the truth of who Christ is. Next slide, please. Uh, God does not want God's people to lie because lying is the antithesis to the character and the heart of who God is. Uh, God does not want God's people to lie because that's the antithesis to the character and the heart of who God is. And so we are called to be people of truth in all things uh, because we witnessed Christ through the act of truth-telling. So whenever we tell the truth and are people of truth, we like embody like who Christ is. And so I think it's entirely, on, on some level, it's entirely appropriate to say when we speak and when we represent truth, we kind of point to the truth of who God is, his work in the world, and through like, especially through Jesus is. And so the commandment is simple. Don't lie. Don't lie in court and don't lie the other 100% of the time when we're out there in the world. Don't lie outside of court as well. And so uh, to those who are following Jesus and to those who are on a faith journey, just trying to figure out what you believe, flee from lying. Do not lie. Be people who tell the truth in all things, in the small things, in the big things. A society cannot properly function when people lie. At the end of the day, lying will eventually catch up with us, and it won't be pretty. And these are the kind of, even the small lies impact our character. Even the small lies that we get away with are things that impact our souls and our character and like our, our well-being. Like, and God says, like, hey, flee from that kind of stuff. And so when we're able to speak and live truthfully, I think we're showing the character of God to the world and pointing to the truth of Christ. And that's what it's all about. Being a disciple of Christ is like being like Christ, showing Christ to the world. And through being people of truth, that is what we do. Thank you for listening to Papago Butte's Church of the Brethren podcast. If you have any questions or are interested in finding out more about our church, feel free to reach out to us at any time. Our contact information is provided at www.pbcob.org.